Welcome to the Vox Community Podcast. Learn more about Vox Community at voxoc.com. Join us at 10 a.m. on Sundays at voxoc.com slash live and at the El Dorado Performing Arts Center. So I'm really tired today. <laughs> so I'll, I'll tell you guys why. So it, it's just silly. So my, my wife, her best friend's getting married in a couple weeks. So naturally, this was bachelorette weekend. So I've had my, my two kids at home. And so needless to say, uh, sleep has been awesome. <laughs> um, so yeah, so and, and, and too, I don't, I don't want to come out here and be too hype because I just don't have it. But um, so anyhow, so uh, Tim is going to come out here in a little bit and do a little bit of Q&A with us. Um, you know, if you're here for the first time and you're checking this out, um, it's a tight ship. You know, we, we keep things loose around here. Uh, go to voxoc.com. You can read about us, learn how to participate. Um, but uh, especially uh, this week, I'm excited because we're actually kicking off uh, Table Fellowships, which is um, our way of giving you guys the opportunity to connect in the community, but also find a way to, um, to kind of be activated into this other idea that we have uh, called Personal Table. So um, I'm just going to go ahead and, and revisit um, some of this philosophy and, uh, and then kind of kick you guys off. So uh, Table Fellowship, what is it? Uh, at Vox Community, we observe the Eucharist as the centerpiece for Sunday gatherings. It's a beautiful symbol of Jesus' sacrifice, an invitation of association. We extend its symbolism in table fellowship as a reminder that Jesus had no hesitation to eat and drink with anybody. Uh, so this is core for us. This is really our way of being able to say that anyone is welcome uh, to the table uh, when we're looking at Eucharist, but likewise, how do we learn to be peaceful and graceful and handle conversations around the kitchen table from folks who may have an opposing and different view from our own? Next slide. So there's three different ways that table fellowship is expressed. Go ahead. Uh, the first is the corporate table, which is this. You know, all together um, during the service, uh, we approach the Eucharist and we do this every single weekend. Go ahead, next one. Community table. So this is what we're kicking off today. So your guys' ability to actually come together at the table in the community. Um, these are offered in homes for Vox community attenders and their friends. And the personal table. So this is the, the farther reaching extension that we hope to um, encourage you guys to do and hope that you would find confidence in in attending these. Uh, but these are offered by you for your neighbors, your coworkers, and family members in your own home for initiating countercultural friendships. Next slide. Great, community table fellowships, go ahead. So yeah, a few details on what these are. So these are hosted by Vox team members selected for their excellent hospitality skills, are socially engaged in group setting, and reflect the stable spirit that makes room for all people in process. They also reflect the core values of Vox community. It's a safe place to talk about anything, serves its guests first, and seeks to engage the next generation. These are a shared meal and a conversational experience. We learn more about each other and explore new friendships over a meal together. Uh, this is what's kind of new this season. We're going to spend a moment to hear teaching from Mike on personal table and peacemaking each week via Facebook Live, um, then casually discuss it as to consider how we might be encouraged uh, to open our own home. And lastly, our gathering is designed uh, to host uh, 20 to 30 people, children included, so we do offer childcare at these. Uh, it's an homage to a former, uh, a former era where new friends and neighbors eating together represented relief, service, and communal care. And I think the last one, there we go. So signups opened up today. It's on the website. Uh, we have a handful of homes open, so I'd encourage you guys to sign up for that. Uh, what we're looking to do is give you guys a chance to actually commit to a certain location for this entire season in hopes to grow um, deeper uh, you know, relationships with uh, many of the folks um, that come here. So, 
So uh, what we're going to do today, Tim's going to come out here in just a minute and do some Q&A. Carrie Garcia is with us to teach today. Um, so excited to have her. Um, and then later in the service, uh, we're actually going to do uh, communion together as we do every single weekend. Um, what that is for us is we just take some of the bread um, that is up here. We actually dip it in the cup. We don't drink from the cup, as many of you have asked about and we've had happen. Um, and you'll take and you'll take it at that time. Um, in addition, we also have uh, a number of prayer walls here. So there's two down front. There's one in the back, and we have a little bit of pencil and paper in there where you can kind of uh, write prayers and actually submit them there. Um, our prayer team and community pastors are praying for you guys 24/7 um, as we have some of those. Um, and then in addition, we actually have um, a large team of community pastors. So if this morning um, you're looking to have a conversation about um, some care that you need, something that you're really wrestling with and struggling with, um, we've built an entire team uh, to help you guys kind of walk through that and find process. Um, here you'll find them um, in orange lanyards if you happen to see them out on the lobby. If you don't see one, um, you can always grab one of us in a black t-shirt and we can point the way. Uh, you can also email us at care at voxoc.com, and you can always do uh, prayer at voxoc.com as well um, for that. Uh, so with that, I think I'm going to go ahead and bring out Tim, and he's going to do a bit of Q&A for us this morning. Sound good? All right. Here we go. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Andy. Good morning. Uh, let me make a quick announcement before we get to questions. We mentioned this last week. Uh, Biola Center for Marriage and Relationships doing a marriage conference next weekend, Friday and Saturday. All couples are welcome to come. Uh, the theme this year is on grace, giving each other grace as we work through the hard things of marriage and conflict and understanding each other and misunderstandings. So if you want to sign up, you can go to just uh, cmr.biola.edu backslash events or just go to Biola's website and type in the Center for Marriage and Relationships and you'll get there. But uh, it's next weekend, so think about it. Uh, again, what I love about Vox is this isn't just a one-way conversation, but you get a chance to ask questions as well. So here are some of the questions that came in after my sermon last week. First question, could negative or positive recall bias be linked to your genetics? Remember I said last week, uh, there's a lot about your happiness is determined when you look back on past events. Do you focus on the positives or do you focus on the negatives? Um, we call that positive or negative recall bias. And unfortunately, the answer is yes, genetics play a huge role in where you start off. So if you come from parents or significant caregivers that had a really negative approach to life, unfortunately, that has really deeply affected you. Some psychologists say up upwards to 40% of your recall bias has been determined genetically. But here's the good news, is that once you're aware of that, uh, practicing the spiritual disciplines, prayer, fasting, solitude, meditating on the scripture, asking the Holy Spirit to change your perspective, I do think change is possible. But to be honest, genetics play a huge part in um, your positive recall bias. Next. I know someone who is struggling with her faith and is in a dark place. We talked about the dark night of the soul here a couple weeks ago. She says it's hard for her to believe in the grace of God through Jesus Christ, but she's praying God would help her believe. My question is, if her prayer is truly something good, why doesn't God change her heart so she could really believe in Jesus and experience his love in her life? This is an interesting question. God wants you to have the eyes of your heart enlightened. We talked about that from Ephesians. He wants you to believe in his goodness. He wants you to believe in his grace, but he, but he wants you to go through the middle. He, he wants you to own it. He, he doesn't just wanna change you 
from the outside. He wants to change you from the inside because that's what's going to be long-lasting change. So God, um, in the scriptures, you have Paul saying to Timothy, I want you to discipline yourself for godliness, which implies this is something we daily do. We daily implore God to know his grace. We search the scriptures. We meditate. We talk with fellow believers. We, we pray. We um, fast. We have times of solitude. So God does want this person to understand his grace, but he isn't just going to snap his proverbial divine fingers and give that grace to a person. He wants that person to go and grow with um, the understanding that grace is a slow process sometimes in fully understanding what we're believing and living out our beliefs. Uh, the, the next one's really interesting, and I, I appreciate the honesty of this question. Just when I was accepting that Jesus calls me friend and that he doesn't care how I come as long as I come, you send me a curveball. This is me. I thought Box was teaching that it is a position of my heart, not my body, when I pray. I understand that loss of reverence that you refer to in the American church, but after reviewing your teaching, I felt it coming from a Sadducee or Pharisee teaching rather than a come-to-Jesus moment. I'm, I, I love that these are anonymous. Um, I, I thought we were learning on grace and not having to get cleaned up before we come. Wow-wee, now I'm really confused. Sounds like students in my class. Exodus 17 is one of my favorite stories as well as so many others. But again, I felt a bit of shame and guilt after church because of the way I continually communicated with God throughout the day and pray without ceasing in an atmosphere of yes familiarity as well as a formal daily time. Huh? What the heck? You're killing me, Smalls. All right. So let, let me say a couple things. For those of you who weren't here when I preached, I basically said that sometimes I feel like my prayer life is just nothing. I, I feel like my words don't even get past the ceiling. Um, though I do believe theologically God's listening to my words, my the position of my body betrays the fact that I don't really feel like I'm talking to God. If I were talking to a, a trusted colleague like Dr. J.P. Moreland or the president of Bioware University, my body would show that I'm, I do believe I'm talking to the president of Bioware University, right? I wouldn't be slouched in a couch with my feet up on uh, a table as I was talking to the president. Now, two important clarifications. Remember, I said, God hears you equally if you're walking the dog praying or if you're, as I suggested, kneeling before God with your arms raised. The issue isn't God. He hears you 100% anytime you pray. My sermon more focused on those of us who felt like God isn't hearing our prayers. We're not um, believing that we're actually talking to the God of the universe. Now, what I should have said in my sermon, those of you who pray casually while you're walking the dog or driving the car, and you do believe God's listening to you, and you feel the intimacy of the Holy Spirit, that's awesome. That's great. My sermon kind of wasn't for you. It was for those of us who feel like even when I do pray, I just don't know if I believe I'm talking to the God of the universe. Remember I said at the end of the sermon, um, if we just got rid of all casual praying and now the only time that we prayed was laying down or kneeling or arms raised, we'd have to have a corrective to the corrective because Paul clearly says, I want you to pray without ceasing. So I do think that means walking the dog, driving the car, going for a jog, you can absolutely pray. So you don't need to clean up your heart at all to come to God. 
My sermon more was saying, but when I don't believe I'm really engaging God, when I don't believe I'm about to enter into the presence of a holy God and pray, I need to remind myself of what I'm doing, and that's what the prayer positions were more about. Yeah, come to God um, with your heart in any condition it is, and God wants to talk to you. Remember, he wants to hear your voice. But I was working on more my attitude of, but maybe there's some things I can do before I come to God that gets me to believe what I'm actually doing, and that's coming in the presence of a God who is holy, loves me as a son. So thank you so much for that clarification. I thought that was awesome. I hope I'm not killing you anymore. I hope so. Hey, one of the great things about Vox is we have a teaching team, multitude of perspectives, and one of them is Carrie, and she's going to come out and talk about personal transformation. Is it possible here, and what would we have to do to get it? So ladies and gentlemen, let's bring out Carrie. We've got a roadie. That's what we pay in the big bucks for. Thank you, Andy. I also had to bring my big Bible today because I'm about to lay down some truth. Um, also, it's bigger writing and I can read it as opposed to last time I was here, I couldn't read the writing because I'm 40, so stop. Um, I just feel like we need to take just a big breath. You should feel safe to breathe in church. <laughs> I know some of you have gone to church and you don't feel safe to breathe there or be you there or be comfortable there. You are safe to just breathe here. I want church, Vox, I want any church, wherever we're gathered um, in Jesus' name, to be a place where you should be able to breathe, that you could breathe freely and you could be messy and you can have hard days, but you can still breathe. You know the difference? I love when my kids come into the house and they just drop their backpacks and it's like they're home. They just drop their, and they're just comfortable because they're home. And, and I want them to always have that space when they come into our home, no matter how old they get. I want them to feel like they can drop their baggage <laughs> and, and feel home. And I really want that for you even today. So I don't know what you came here with, um, but I'm assuming if you're anything like me, you came here with stuff. And so, you might just need to breathe. Plus it's early. I don't know, it's early for me. You guys are probably all early people, but I'm not. My kid gets up at like six something and I'm like, you're a vampire. I mean, go to, I don't know what you're doing. You're, you're not of Jesus. Um, and I send him on his way uh, to go play his video games. I'm a bad parent, okay, don't judge me. I love video games, play them. Stay away, just play. Um, it's how we go on dates, play your games. We can talk. I am Carrie Garcia. I am so, I feel like I'm breathing because this is my home. This is my church. I get to the opportunity to travel all around. I just got back from Portland and working in a rehab center and um, speaking at a conference there, a two-day conference, and then going on to this rehab center. And there's just some incredible people I got to meet and it blessed my heart. And I was excited to come home to you guys. I was excited to come home, but I can't go on about that too long because they only give me 30 minutes there. Everywhere else, they give me way longer. Um, so I want to get right into it. When I was about in sixth grade, uh, there was a movie out. I can't remember. It was something about, uh, around that age. Um, There's a movie out called uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Okay, good. Some of you are old. Um, 
And, uh, and I was not, you need to understand what I grew up in. We were super messy, but then there was like these really weird rules because we were Christians. And so my mom was like, you can't watch the Smurfs because like Gargamel was a, you know, wizard. Um, wasn't allowed to watch that. Wasn't allowed to like watch a lot of things. Laverne and Shirley, I don't know why, but they had beer or something. So it was like, nope, can't watch that. Um, so I was restricted to a lot of, of things. And one of them was movies. Like you were like movies back then. My parents don't care now because they've been enlightened. But back then, rated our movies was devil work, you know? So there was a movie out, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and all my friends were going. So it must have been like sixth or seventh grade where we were able at that time to get dropped off at the mall. Remember those days? They like dropped you off and picked you up, and that was just like freedom, you know? And so she's like, I'm gonna drop you off. We're gonna go see Cinderella or whatever was appropriate. But my friends were like, hey, let's sneak into Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And I was like, you know, conflicted. And I remember thinking like, it's not a big deal. What's the big deal? They'll never know. She thinks I'm at Cinderella. I'm gonna go see Ferris Bueller's Day Off. She'll never know. So what I do, I go and sneak it in and watch the movie. It's a good movie. <laughs> it was funny. I, there was no devilness in it. I loved it. I thought it was great. I left. None the wiser. My mom gets in the car, how Cinderella is so good. Such a good movie. It was awesome. For two days, I met like day in, day out, like, it's not Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I am like destroyed about it. I can't stop thinking about it. I'm thinking all the inappropriateness of the movie, just all that's all I keep thinking about is when he said cuss words and when, you know, I'm little, okay? Like now I'll see, I'll see all kinds of movies. <laughs> but unless it's devil movies, you will never see me in that exorcist, kind of none, none of that nonsense. Mm -mm. Nope, I don't care. I don't care. I'm free in grace. I'm having that juice on me. No. But I was bothered by Ferris Bueller's death. I kept thinking about all that. I kept, I was convicted. So finally, after two days, my mom's putting me to bed, saying goodnight. I'm like, <sighs> I gotta talk to you about something. She was like, what happened, honey? I feel like your moms always know that something's wrong. She was like, what are you gonna talk to me about? <laughs> she doesn't know what's going on, but I feel like she knows. I'm like, she knows. Jesus talks directly to her. <laughs> and she was like, you know, I feel like the past two days you've been a little upset. <laughs> you can see right through me. And I just started crying. I'm like, I saw Mary Steeler's Day Off. This is, it was a good movie, but I you know, and I'm crying. I'm like, whatever punishment you want for me, mom, just give it to me. And she's like, I feel like you've been punished enough, <laughs> which is worse. Like spank me than have to sit in the conviction of what I did. You know, I was thinking about like kind of these lies of sin that we tell ourselves. And, and, and in James chapter one, we're going to be reading in um, some different scriptures today, but in James chapter one, verse 13 through 15, it says this. So let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God for God cannot be tempted by evil. And he himself does not tempt anyone, but each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. And then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. And I think there's kind of these three lies in sin that we live in. One, we start to say, this won't hurt me. No matter what's coming in your life, this won't hurt me. And the number two kind of comes in, we go, I need this to be fulfilled. I need what is whatever I'm wanting that I know I'm probably not supposed to be doing. It's not going to hurt me. In fact, not only is it not going to hurt me, I need it to be fulfilled in my life. 
And then number three, we kind of start to say, I can control this behavior. Same thing kind of happened when I was watching this stupid movie. It's not a big deal. It's not going to hurt me. I need to be cool. I need to watch Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Everyone's watching it. I can control this. I'll just watch the movie and I'll walk away. Now, obviously, that's a small thing, but how often in our lives do we find that our spirit is so torn? We know something's not right. It could be small. It could be big. But the same lies play itself out all the time. In fact, we looked all the way in the beginning in Genesis, and we look at Eve. And we know that she was told, you can have anything you want. Don't eat of this tree. Because see, this tree will make you no good and evil. You don't want to know that. But Satan tempts her. God does not tempt her. Satan tempts her and says, surely you won't die. And she looks at the tree and she goes, this won't hurt me. In fact, it even says in scripture that she was hungry. I need this. I'm hungry. I need food. Was she lacking for food? No. Did the apple look good? Yes. And then she says, I'm just going to take a bite and walk away. I can control this behavior. And Satan is working in her life, twisting truth, and she's believing. And so often we do this too. In fact, it begs this question, you see, is temptation really temptation that we step into, or is it begging a deeper question within us, is God really good? You see, is God really good if he's telling me not to eat of this tree why would he do that? That's not a good God. God goes, this is for your protection, but you're not a robot. I didn't make robots and choose to be with me or not be with me. So I'm going to give you all of this, but don't have this because this won't be good for you. So it begs this question, is God good? In every temptation we step into, whether conscious or subconscious, we think, is God really good? You know, in that time when I went and watched that silly movie, the question, because I'm young and learning things, is my mom really good? Man, does she really want my best interest? She doesn't really care about me. You know, what does she, what does she know? She doesn't know Ferris Bueller's Day Off. She's old, you know? Which, by the way, they went and saw Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and that's why she told me I couldn't see it, and that was a whole weird thing for me. Like, how are you allowed to see it? And I'm not allowed, you know? She's like, because you're 12 and I'm 30. Is my mom good? Is God good? These are the questions that we kind of look at. And I started... I started thinking about this, and when I get to come preach here, I come preach from a place um, of what I'm going through. Uh, a lot of places I've told you before that they, they tell me what they want me to preach on, and that's, that's great. Um, but here, I feel like I can wrestle out some of the thoughts that I have here on stage. This is just because I'm up here, even playing field, trust me. Uh, and I'm looking at this, and I'm going, are we destined to repeat the same things in our life over and over and over again? Can transformation really happen? When temptation comes, can we have the power to believe that God is good and refuse the temptation? Is this possible? Is transformation possible in our life? Can we actually say, yes, God is good, I will trust you, and when an arrow comes, it doesn't hit the wounded parts of our heart because we've been transformed? I read in 2 Peter, and I think about Peter. Now, here's Peter who was told at the Mount of Transfiguration, when he was standing there before Jesus, Jesus is like, I have called you, I have anointed you, I have appointed you, but you will die. Peter knows what the outcome of his life will be, but there has been such a transformation in his life that it enabled him to do things that were unthinkable. It enabled him to, to conquer things that were unimaginable. It gave him words that he would have never had words for. 
I think I want faith like Peter. I don't want to live my life where I'm constantly struggling with the same temptation. You hear me, church? The same temptation over and over and over again. And maybe it comes in different packages, but it's rooted in this same thing. For me, I look back and I'll tell you, the, I'll tell you my word, rejection. As a little girl and constantly through my life, my parents loved me as much as they could, but rejection was so a part of my home because my mom couldn't, didn't have the ability to love beyond her pain. She gave the best she could, but she couldn't love, and it made me feel rejected. My dad couldn't handle what was going on in the house, so he chose ministry, I felt, over us. Rejection. And as that played out in my life throughout, gosh, years of my life, Rejection was something I wanted to avoid at all costs. Where's transformation? You see, yeah, I did drugs. Yes, I got married and that broke out in a disaster. Divorce and all these things. But is that really what God's wanting to transform? My addiction? My affair? My broken marriage? Is that really what he's wanting to transform? I don't think so. You see, I don't think that God cares about this stuff as much he cares about what's rooted deep inside of you. Because out of my rejection played my addiction, played my broken marriage, played my striving and my perfectionism and the hurting and harming of my body. You see, God didn't want to fix these things. He wanted to fix the root of those things. He wanted to heal my rejection. In 2 Peter, as, we, as we're talking about Peter, he writes, he writes this amazing, I mean, all of Peter. If you just want to sit in First and 2 Peter, if you just need that, like, God's got it kind of stuff, sit in these scriptures. But 2 Peter, verse 3 and 4, says this, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. I love how many adjectives he uses. It's like a Mad Lib, you know, just pick the adjective, just the best adjectives you can find. His most precious and magnificent promises in order that by them, you might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. You know, I look at James, and when it says, I step into sin, I, sin gives birth into my life, and then it creates death. Now, obviously, right at that moment, Eve didn't die. But something died spiritually in her. The separation came. Sin entered into her life. So no, most of us are not walking around. I mean, well, if you're dead, you're not walking around, I guess. But most of us, many of us, maybe only two of us, because this room is super spiritual, but two of us in here are walking around in physical form, but dead on the inside because lust and sin and the pride of life had take root inside of us. We go, how can you get in, Jesus? And, and Peter says this, 
pertaining to the life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called you by his own glory. And this is the best part. Number four, for by these he has granted to us his precious, magnificent promises in order that by them you might become partakers of the divine nature that enables you to escape the corruption that is in the world by lust. I want that. I don't know about you, but I want that. My husband's um, grandpa just passed away two days ago, and he loved God. And I can't stop thinking about the moment that Grandpa Mark Antonio, we Italian, <laughs> the moment he left this earth, he was in the presence of God, the King, Jesus. All of us are struggling with what we do here, yet there's something in us that understands one day we will be in the presence of God and this will all be over. <laughs> we can't wait. Some of you are like, I can wait. I remember being 20. I wanted a baby. I wanted to do some other things. <laughs> can't wait. But I start thinking, is hope just for the future? Is hope just for heaven? If Holy Spirit dwells inside of us, and we are called by his excellent glory and that the Holy Spirit comes and consumes us, I want to be transformed today. I want to be new today. I want to be partakers of the divine nature of God. And he offers that to us. So what is keeping us from it? I don't think it's your addiction. And I don't think it's your striving or your perfectionism or your climbing the corporate ladder or your broken marriage or your upset neighbor. I don't think it's that. I think there's something that's blocking everything you've heard, everything you know, and it's a word or two or three that is this sieve, this, this, this metal sheet that blocks your heart from allowing Holy Spirit and what you know to infiltrate and the power of God lifting up inside of you. I believe there's something that God wants to go deeper inside of you because I know all this stuff matters to the world and, and it's hurting you and breaking your heart, but there's something breaking your heart so much more. You've made agreements with words that you were never to make agreements with. You see, the moment you enter into Jesus Christ, think about this, the moment you ask Jesus Christ into your heart, that's the moment you're made new. Done, it's over. And you go, Carrie, this is a lot, this is a lot that's happened in my life. Like, I know. Me too. But I have to start to believe. In fact, not only do I have to start to believe, I have to start to see, I have to start to know that I serve a God that loves me so much that he would dig deeper. He would fight deeper for me. It says in verse five, now for this very reason, also apply diligence and faith and, and in your or supply moral excellence and in your moral excellence knowledge and in your knowledge self-control and in your self-control perseverance and perseverance godliness and <gasps> take a deep breath and in your godliness brotherly kindness and in your brotherly kindness love for these things these qualities are yours and if they are increasing they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of lord jesus christ i go man that's a big list i gotta step into a lot of things and God says, if you want to know me more, 
This is what your life will start to look like. You'll start to know me more. And then in knowing me, we will supply more moral excellence, not moral hierarchy, but more cleanliness in your heart. All these things will start to play out. But then verse 9 says this. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted. He has forgotten, hear that, his purification from his former sins. And I sat in that and I started going, how often do I forget who I am in Christ and what he has done for me? Not only have I forgotten, but I haven't invited him in to the deepest, darkest places of my heart. All of this is beautiful when it grows, knowledge, love of Christ. All of that is beautiful in your life. In fact, it protects you, but none of that can take place if we don't invite Holy Spirit into those covered spots, those words that we've made agreements with that we need to break off. The last verse in verse 10, it says, therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent. Fight back to make certain about his calling and his choosing you For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. I think about that and I go, I don't want to ever stumble. (laughs) Rejection reared its ugly head a few weeks ago in my life. Man, it was was tough. (laughs) I sat there and, and sat in the slump and the stump of just reeling about some things that were said. Here's the difference. Is transformation possible for today? 10 years ago, that word would have played itself out and that rejection that I received would have played itself out in destructive ways. Now it played itself out for 48 hours. And then I went like this. No, (laughs) I will remember that you have chosen me. So I said this, I want you, I invite you Holy Spirit to come into this word. I invite you into my heart. I invite you into this place. I don't need you to worry about this. I need you right here. I need more of you. Don't you want more power? Don't you want it to go from your toes all the way to your head? Don't you want to be free from the temptations that keep bombarding you all the time? You know what I'm talking about. As you sit there, some of you squirming, good job. It's uncomfortable. To sit and have to go, oh, I don't want that place to be, just fix me on the outside. Just make it look good out here. I'm no longer an addict. My marriage is okay. Business doing good, but I'm not happy. I'm not fulfilled. And I surely don't understand what Carrie is talking about when she says that she is empowered by the Holy Spirit. That is your gift. Not only is it your gift, it's your inheritance. He says that you are partakers of the divine nature. Is transformation possible for today? Yes. Do you have to invite him in? Yes. You see, we want transformation to look like this, okay? Whenever you're ready, just go ahead and throw that on me. Just, just, just Jesus juice all on me. And you're just like, gonna like happen and like, I'm good now. It doesn't work like that. We have to invite him into dark places. We have to expose our heart before God into the dark spaces. 
You have to take a look and a deeper look into your heart and your life and go, God, I want more of you. I don't want to live life like this. I want to live life fulfilled with Holy Spirit. I don't garden, clearly. Um, but one time when I did, or saw someone doing it, um, I remember, I can't remember what kind of fruit it was or vegetable it was. I honestly was trying to rack my brain today because I legitimately don't remember. I just remember when this woman, this, this crazy earthy woman, she, she had Birkenstocks and she pulled out, you know who I'm talking about. Um, you have that friend. You know what I'm saying? She's vegan. So <laughs> she pulls out like a rutabaga. So I don't know, something that just feels aggressive. And so rutabaga feels aggressive. She pulls it. I need to focus. <laughs> she pulls this thing out, and the root is like white, and it's long and deep, like this really long, big root that she pulls out. And it's got all these like, you know, little roots on it, but it's deep, and it went deep in there. I'm like, man, I really got that sucker out of there. She's like, yeah, you got to get it by the root. I'm like, all right. She pulls this out, and I, and I kept getting this vision as I was praying for you guys, and I'm praying for myself, that God's like, I want to, I want to uproot. You see, I don't want to worry about the stuff on the top of the ground. It doesn't matter, because when the root is gone, the stuff, this stuff's gone. People go, if I come to Jesus, I don't want to stop smoking. Uh, okay, me neither. <laughs> no, I don't smoke, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, if, if I come to Jesus, I, I, I don't want to have to give this up. Okay. That's not, that's not my, that's between you and God. I don't know. I just, I just want to talk about the root of why you're broken. I want to talk about the root of why every time I talk, you start crying. I want to talk about the root that's taking so hold of your life that not only can you not hear what God's saying and apply it to your heart, you can't receive love from other people. You see, when rejection played itself out in my life, even in the beginning stages of my marriage, not the, not the marriage that fell apart, but this marriage, my Current marriage? No, my only marriage now. That marriage, I couldn't even receive Mario's love. I couldn't receive what he had for me because rejection was so rooted in my heart that when he would try to love me, I saw it as not good enough. And I saw me as not good enough. And when I would go back in the early years, 15 years ago, and I would go and speak, and, and people would come up, oh, Carrie, you did a great job. And one person was like, no, I don't really like what she said. Oh my gosh, it just rooted in me. I shouldn't be doing this. I had so much power over me. And Jesus goes, Carrie, I want to uproot that. And when I want to come in with my Holy Spirit, I want to create new roots. So out of those roots flourishes Holy Spirit's power. Holy Spirit comes alive in you. And when those arrows of rejection come to me, you just bounce off because they don't hit a wound anymore. I can't stand it when, when Christians say, you know, I'm like, I've just got like a purple heart. I'm like, I was like a broken up sheet and God just sewed me together. And I am like, I'll put, no, I don't want you to be all put together with stitches everywhere. You are made new. You are new. I don't think we claim that. I don't think we own that. I don't think we allow transformation to happen because we're too scared of what he'll uproot. And I tell you all the time, stop fearing freedom. Fear the root that has gotten hold of your life, that is dictating your every step. I love Jesus, yet rejection is how I see the world. 
Performance is how I see the world. I must be liked. I must be known because I'm not worthy enough. You have made agreements with words that you were never supposed to make agreements with because the moment that Jesus comes into your life, you make agreements that I am a child of God, that I am owned and I am seen and I am loved by the king of creation. And not only that, it's not distant. He indwells me. He uproots that which breaks me and gives new root to bring life into me. This is the promise, a promise of Jesus Christ, that you are partakers, your inheritance of the divine nature of God. How we doing? So you go, I don't know. I don't even know what the word is. I don't know what's keeping me from God. I don't know what to uproot. I don't know what to ask him into. Here's what I'll leave you with. In Psalms, we love this verse. Psalms 139 talks about how we are fearfully and wonderfully made. It's on like t-shirts and in every Bible bookstore, on a plaque and wood drawn in calligraphy. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. God talks about in Psalms 139 how no matter where you go, he is with you, whether you are low or whether you are high, whether you make your bed in hell, it says. Some of us have been there. I'm with you. Whether you are climbing on the mountains, I am with you. Here's the verse we don't really sit in for very long. Verse 23 in Psalms 139, it says, Oh, search me, O God, because you know me and know my heart. Not my mind. Know my heart, God. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me into the everlasting way. You want to know what's blocking you? You want to know what's rooted? Ask him. Ask him, what's my word? We come here and we go, okay, Carrie, give me a word. And Holy Spirit's going, I'm with you wherever you go. I am with you on the high. I'm with you on the low. I am with you at your job. I am with you when you should be doing things you shouldn't be doing. I am with you and I love you. Ask me, you don't need Carrie. You don't need Vox. You don't need a podcast. You need my word and you need my spirit. Ask me, I'll tell you. Search me, God, and listen. And he starts to reveal things to you that I know are uncomfortable. But here's the deal. It is for your freedom. I would imagine if that little rutabaga could talk. He didn't like that you pulled out his root. It's just hard to get that out. It's a little painful. Maybe it's a lot painful. But the agreements you have made are killing you. They're affecting your entire life. They're affecting your marriage. They're affecting your singlehood. They're affecting your work. They're affecting you being able to receive love and give love. And God says, I want transformation for you today. Let's not wait till we walk into the pearly gates of heaven to understand the divine nature and inheritance that we've been offered. Let's not wait that long. I don't know about you. I want instant gratification now. I don't want to wait till heaven. It's going to be a cool day. I'm getting a brontosaurus dinosaur. I'm already told him that. I'm asking for that. That's heaven. I can have it wherever I want. Fly to countries, planets. But I want today my inheritance because Jesus died. And when someone dies, they leave you something. Jesus rose again and he offered a spirit to you for more power, more truth, and an uprooting of whatever's keeping you stuck. 
as we go into a time of worship, and I know some of you are like, worship is so uncomfortable. That's fine. I'm going to ask that you just spend like two, Izzy's going to do a couple songs, like two songs. And I just want you to offer this time. Okay, God, search me. Maybe you know your word. Maybe you know your three words. I don't want you to focus on the effects. I want you to ask Jesus about the cause. He might dig deep. There might be wounds from your past or your parents or things that have been done to you or things that you've done that have caused you and seen words that have played consistently in your life. You can see it like a movie screen. It's the title of your life. Carrie is rejected. And Jesus wants to change all of that. It is actually possible for you to partake today. It's actually possible. And when it roots up again, like it did for me a couple weeks ago, I can stand on the truth, not knowing, but believing in my guts that I am not rejected, that God comes in and uproots that, and I am made new. So I'm going to ask you to sit. You get to leave in a few minutes. But I'm asking you to sit for your own time so that you wouldn't leave here the same. You'd leave here a little more changed. We'd look at life a little differently, and you would surely look at God for the loving Father, the powerful, transformational God that he is. Izzy will lead us into communion after those two songs and into a confession. Let this just be your time between you and the Lord. Let me pray for you. Dear God, we just thank you we thank you that you do not leave us hindered. You do not leave us broken. You don't want us to walk as Christians with a broken leg, a limp, God. You want us healed completely in Jesus' name. You want to uproot the things that keep your children stuck. You want to give us new roots, roots of glory, roots of majesty, roots of promise, roots of divine nature, more power. I want to have more power, God. If I have access to the heavens, I want to access it today. I don't want to wait until I see your face. I want you here, present. I want more of you today, and you delight when your children ask for more. So God, search us. Let us confess before you. Let us come before you, God. Uproot what is taking its toll on our life and replace it with the roots of your power and your love. Transform us today. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Just go ahead and stand up because I'm going to pray over you. I just want to say really quickly to the men that are in the room, women, I love you. You get me. I get you. But I want to say to the men in the room, we really need you. And I say this a lot uh, because it's really important that you understand the vital role you play in this world, in this community over our lives, not oppressive, so don't freak out, ladies, but really coming alongside us, your voice is so valuable, and in my opinion, it's been very diminished. And you have been pushed aside, and um, the world has kind of told you, just put your head down, go to work, come back, and be quiet. And um, that's not who God made you to be. God gave you a voice. You're warriors. You're strong. Your voice is powerful and incredible. You bring safety. And we need you, and we love you. And there are things in your life that have hurt you, and it has caused you to become silent. And I'm going to ask you to pray this week, men and women, to go out this week. Don't let this be the last day you pray. Let this be the first day you pray and say, okay, God, search me. 
I want to be the man that you've called me to be. Not the man my dad thought I should be or my boss thinks I should be, but the man you want me to be. Rise up in me fire. Rise up in me protection and calling. Um, We need you. We need you. And women, you are not what's been said about you. You are not what society says about you. You are glorious, incredible, wise-filled, discerning creatures. And you are God's beloved. I'm going to pray over you a couple of words because God told me to do that. Um, we're cool like that. And, uh, and, and so if you would just put your hands out like this as receiving, like almost letting go and receiving what God has for you. God, we just ask as your spirit is moving in this room, search us and know us, God. God, I don't want to pray off the word of forgotten, the word of invisible, the word of my voice doesn't matter, the word of rejection, the word of not good enough, unworthy, lost, gone too far, a mistake, abandoned, invisible. Yes, God. Thank you, God. Let your spirit come, Lord, into the hearts of your people. Uproot what has taken root and kept us from fully knowing you and walking in the power that you have for us. Let Vox be a place of authenticity, of love, of safety, but also a place where transformation can happen because your spirit is here. Let us go out into the world, not leading from places that are broken, but leading from a place of vulnerability. God, I pray for the men in this room, rise them up as partakers of the divine nature Pray for this women's of this room, God. Let them be the force, stability, and strength. Rise them up, Lord, to be divine takers. Bless them and keep them. Let this be the day that transformation started to happen as the uprooting of what once was is replaced with what is now. Love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Go in peace, my brothers and sisters. Thanks for listening to the Vox Community Podcast. You can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash voxcommunity. Participate in the Vox Community at voxoc.com slash participate.